afternoon, good evening, good metal. My name's Coop and welcome to the Spoken Metal Show. This episode is forming part of what I'd wanted to do, which was essentially a little bit of a bumper episode because it's the 100th episode. So I kind of, my plan was to do one of each of the things that I normally do as part of the show. So for example, I do an interview, I do a lot of, lot of interviews. I would have done a listen in um, or a listen with, if you will, where we listen to it to an album as well, and a playlist show and various things like that, and maybe introduce some other things. Every time uh, it comes to like a big event, like the 100th show, you feel as though I should be doing you know, something special. Um, and so that's why I kind of put these, these whole things together, whether this will be the first. I think I'm going to do like maybe seven, so there's a whole week worth of, of them, so it's a nice sort of big information dump, if you will, that lands on you. Maybe we'll do it that way. I'm kind of figuring this out as I go along. It's become, we're now into another stage of, of lockdown as a, as a country here. And there's obviously a whole huge pandemic going on and quite a lot of things going on within the world. There's, you know, it's always made it easier to talk to some people, but actually sometimes made it harder as well. And all those other things that go on just within life that makes things difficult to kind of get hold of people and talk to people. But I've put forward quite a few things here and hopefully you'll enjoy them. This is a conversation with uh, Daniel Moran from the band Reaper. We largely talk about the album Stranger Than Fiction, his album's come out, which came out a while back. I, I, I tried to aim to do these once a, a month because it seems that the feedback from everybody is that some of these shows are like two hours long, like an hour and a half long. So people have wanted to go, okay, maybe this just one a month seems to be that sweet spot. I mean, I'm going to obviously completely explode that by doing one, which is like seven sort of bits of six or seven bits of pieces all in one go. But that's because it's special because it's a hundredth show. So we got to the hundredth show, which is extraordinary to me. It is extraordinary, right? Until you look up to everybody else's like metal podcasts and stuff like that, and up to 563 and, and all that. And that's the secret. It's not a race against other people. It was just proven that I could do this. I could do this podcast and, and people would listen to it and enjoy it. And that's what's happened. And that's really cool to, to have that we got to the 100th show and we'll get to the 1,000th show, whatever show there. But it's, it's nice. that I thought I'd run out of things to say. Some may argue that I have. But I thought I'd run out of people to talk to. But it, it, in many ways, it's exploded out. It's like a, a tree has just gone out where it's gone. I've spoke to people and they've said, oh, you need to speak to this person. Or someone's got in touch with me and said, can I come on the show? And that's what's happened with a few guests that we've got coming up as well. The people have approached me, especially if you do your own podcast. You should definitely co- co- get yourself in contact with us and we'll, I'll come on yours, you know, and you can come on ours and share the kind of the love and that type of thing. Of uh, uh, it, it can sometimes seem like a, a sport. It's like being in a band where it's like if one band's successful, I can't be successful because only one band got signed from this particular area or all that nonsense. It's just rubbish. It's it's all about collectively supporting each other, and certainly within metal, and seeing the many different facets of it, which is fantastic and, and really exciting to me. But I'll get on. That's that was just kind of a little bit of a lead into what I'm doing with the with these shows now to celebrate the hundredth show. The hundredth show uh, is just something I can only get to if people keep listening to. It. If no one listens to this podcast, I just stop because that it's just me shouting. And so that's not cool. But people listen to this show regularly and ask me when the next one comes out as well, which blows my mind. There you go. This is forming part of the 100th celebrations of the Spoken Metal Show. I'm deeply grateful for everybody that listens. I'm deeply grateful for everybody who wants to come on the show. And I'm really grateful for everybody that does come on the show. People like Daniel Morana, a perfect example of that. 
Uh, been on the show before, people have asked to hear him again because what he's saying obviously resonates with them and rightly so because he's very much a getting stuff done type of person. The album is superb. I can't tell you how well produced this album is and how good it is as well. And that sounds like I'm surprised. And there is part of me that is surprised that you know that you can be done now. You don't have to you know uh, hire out studios and that type of thing. You can just spend care, time and effort and deliver a fantastic album. That's exactly what he's done. So let's not... Let's not do. I can. Well, there'll be plenty of time for me to talk more about the hundred show shows and the sequence of shows that goes with it. But for now, let's uh, sit down and enjoy the fantastic Daniel Moran, ladies and gentlemen. Re returning guest, as always, something of a, a popular guest. It is to be honest with you, uh, someone we talked to before about various things. But it's what's interesting about this this particular guest, ladies and gentlemen, is that we get to see a progression. We get to see the things that this person's talked about now coming to fruition. And uh, and that's that's interesting to me because it shows that like whenever you listen to someone and and, and they give advice, it's always bollocks if that person doesn't actually have anything to show up for that advice. And um, fortunately, this the the, the, the guest today um, uh, has completed some of the things that he wanted to do. So I think you'll probably all get a lot of things. And plus, it gives me a chance to talk to my friend Dan, and it gets me a chance to fucking. Uh, gush over over his album, which we're going to go into <laughs> fucking fully balls deep with. Like, so ladies and gentlemen, it's Daniel Moran again. Welcome to the show. It's me. It's the silly, <laughs> stupid frog boy. I, it's me again. Sorry about your Little view, Count boy. <laughs> <laughs> Are you doing all right? Yeah. I'm good, man. Yeah. Um, the past couple of weeks have been a little bit draining because it's just trying to push this disc now. And I'm, I'm, I've started to realize that I'm very fluid with releases in that now that this is done, I want to move on to the next thing. But mm. promotion and trying to build numbers up doesn't warrant for that kind of behavior. So now yeah. I'm having to dip back into another kind of solo project and it's working up the facet to go from something so bizarre and crazy and strange into something mm. super chill and relaxed. But I'm going to have to learn how to do it, man. Yeah, uh, there's so an interesting I'm, I'm thing. Okay with artists that you know they they have to now become that dirty word entrepreneurs and kind of self-promoters <laughs> and, it, and yeah. it never used to ex it never used to exist it always used to be the musician and then the publicity and the pr and the management and they were the two were very separate it was like you make the record here's the record and go and do the press for it and do the press releases and and the posters and the ad campaigns and all that shit and the artists that didn't really get involved to, to, to a great or lesser degree, didn't really get involved. Now that is, is completely mashed together where, you know, a PR campaign will be launched with someone's Instagram campaign, their personal one and stuff like that. And this whole thing is kind of linked together. And I don't, and there's probably an element where we've lost some of that. You know, we've lost some of, of an artist staying away from the promotion side of things, because let's face it, it can be quite soul destroying to, you know, to yeah. be endlessly, promoting yourself feels almost like you know unlike what people refer to when they sell out it's like you know to endlessly promote yourself you feel oh it's hard sometimes because you don't want to do that sure. you want to let the music speak for itself you know yeah it's 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 weird trying to strike a balance between um between personal connectivity between you and whatever you are manifesting creatively versus you pushing out a product and um mm. Honestly, the way we've managed it is we've just turned ourselves into massive shitheads. Like, we're all just like, we've basically just gone, well, do you know what? All four of us are gargantuan morons. How do we monetize that? 
So now we, um, you know, we play video games on Twitch and things, which is actually doing quite well now. It's, it's starting to do all right. And then, um, you know, obviously we'll host the serious sessions of music in between. But when it comes to like editing videos, when it comes to promoting ourselves, when it comes to pushing ourselves out, we just make the stupidest ads possible. I did this ad recently for the album and it was me like in paint, like Microsoft fucking paint, just <laughs> drawing little faces onto the alien of the front cover of the album and putting an old man senile voice on him just to have him like describe the album as, as if from the point of a pensioner. And he's like, hello, my na- I am the silly alien man from album Strange Fiction by Band Beep. And it's great. <laughs> I remember, I remember when, um, when, and this is going to, for all those ladies and gentlemen who, who have stopped by today to listen to talking about progressive metal and, and what have you, I'm going to mm-hmm. talk about Sum 41 for a moment here. When they, when they first kind of exploded onto the scene, it was because they made their own videos of like them doing stupid shit. Yeah. This is pre kind of Twitch and pre kind of Minecraft and, and, and Fortnite and things like that. And they did like kind of, not stop motion, but they kind of played with, with, with toys and stuff like that and created their own DIY ethic and kind of produced their own videos. And, and, and that was what got them noticed because it made it like, you know, for me, whenever I watch an artist, I do like to have a little glimpse into their life outside of, of work because it kind of almost helps that other side of it. If I, like James Hetfield's doing a video of him working on a car, I kind of want to see that. It's got nothing to do with the music, but I kind of want to see that because it informs kind of who he is as a person, you know, and, and I always like that. I mean, there's an element of oversharing with artists now where we kind of see too much. You know, he shows them first thing in the morning and kind of taking a piss and whatever, and, and we don't want to see that. But I remember when um, remember when the Cliff and Wall video came out, video, ladies and gentlemen, um, the, the Cliff and Wall video came out and I had all this homemade stuff of when, when Cliff Burton was with the band of kind of like him outside playing. And I remember my mind was blown to think that Cliff Burton wasn't actually God and was actually just this bloke. Yeah, was just this bloke who, who drank beer and, and liked the Beatles and, and played bass. And I was like, what the? My mind was blown. Yeah, you know? it's mad. And, and it's crazy when you see these, you, you see people like yourself, you know, when you're like super famous playing, you know, uh, doing these huge tours with Dream Theater, people will look back onto these little things where you mimic, mimic a pensioner's voices. Like, yeah, but that's how they started. That proves they were real people. And look where they yeah. are now, you know. People I mean, like we're still going to fucking do that. We're still going to just continue to just make <laughs> massive memes. Like, I think someone summarized us absolutely perfectly. It's like, this yeah. is a progr- This is like a shit post disguised as a, one of the better progressive thrash bands on the underground scene. I was like, that is so <laughs> disturbingly accurate that I hate we've been sussed out this early. Someone, someone called it straight away. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, okay, great. Well, that's, that's just our identity now. And you know what? Honestly, it's a lot of fun. It's great. Yeah. And I've, I've always said, like, you know, I'd rather just about get by doing something that I genuinely give a shit about then and 10 times as much doing a job that I don't care about. And it's very easy, especially in current circumstances, for you to not really care about anything because the whole world's just on fucking fire. Um, Mm. So, like, the last thing we need now is for your hobby to just feel like work. Like, it's not like work, but like like a nine-to-five job. And it just makes (laughs) it to feel like that. 
treating it is treating it like that is one thing, but making it feel like you got to put a suit on to turn up mm. in these things is just just bollocks. So it's like just find ways to make it fun for yourself and mm. an audience who resent like resonates with an honest version of yourself will come. But you yeah. just got to put in the graft. Like, if you're willing to put in yeah. the graft and be straight with yourself, the people who will resonate with that vibe you give off will show. But it's about how much work you're willing to put into that. And it's so much easier when you like it. And liking it, for us, mm-hmm. is making god-awful ad content with pretty good music. <laughs> yeah, music's not bad. The music's not bad, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's that balance, isn't it? It's like, you know... You do, you do something you love and very quickly it, it can become work. Like, you know, I think that's what a lot of bands have found now during this period of being con- confined and not able to do things that they would like to do. It almost seems like a chore. Oh, I've got to post at least five posts today. I've got to write at least four songs. I've got to do- the expectations for someone during a pandemic or a band in a pandemic is that they should be the super productive version. And it's like, well, production comes and creativity comes from inspiration there has to be some kind of you know uh, you know catalyst there has to be something you know what Joe Satriani was famously talking about how do you write how do you become a better player and he said experience more in life you'll you'll write about stuff nothing you know informs someone's writing psyche better than something particularly bad happening something particularly good happening something that they feel strongly about and you only get these sort of real moments from from interaction interaction with other musicians, interaction with people and human beings, which, you know, like I say, uh, act as a catalyst for people to kind of write stuff. I had a really bad experience. I wrote this about it. And and I think, you know, and we'll get into this more more as we talk about the album, but I think that one of the things that, like, I've often talked to people uh, about yourself saying that I think there's something we can take from is your ability to pivot. And when something becomes uninteresting or something that becomes a chore, you change it and manipulate it so it still becomes exciting you know i mean this album has been you know how long really in the making you know five months of kind of production and during that time that hasn't been your sole thing like you say you've got another project now you know a whole you've managed to kind of instead of seeing it spinning plates uh you've seen it as choosing meals that you really enjoy Um, (laughs) that's a really good point actually yeah you know, so because so, some people see it as work and you see it as opportunity. Um, and that's the biggest thing that I, I, when I talk to a lot of young bands and, and, and young artists that I say, you know, that, uh, it, being able to pivot and continually keep it interested is the real skill, especially in, in times like this. For sure, man, for sure. I think a big part of that, um, you said the difference between opportunity and work there, which I find really interesting because I feel like there's a lot of people who feel like that same obligation you were talking about a second ago. The thing is, what's mad, right? By complete circumstance, I managed to actually get in a good 30 to 40 minute conversation with Brian Waddell, Beave, the bassist for for the Devon Townsend project. Um, Because he's in a band called The Monolith now and they were having like an Instagram live and I jumped in and decided to have a chat with him. Yeah. And something that he said, and I really thought was like, okay, cool, that's good, because that's that's similar to what I kind of vibe with, was he was like, I don't wake up with like months and months of shit to do and dates to remember, because fuck remembering all of that, man. Mm-hmm. What I do think is, okay, what do I, what can I put up with today? Like, what am I willing to do? Like, what's today about? And you just mm-hmm. put a date together and just crack on. Because ultimately, setting deadlines is, you know, Part of the reason why the album's turned out the way it's turned out, which obviously we'll get into in a sec, I guess. Um, sure. But like, 
equally, you need to be willing to step away from something so that you can look back at it and go, oh, that's what that is for a little while. So like, especially with this disc, we didn't have time to do that because we just went, right, we're going to be that band that puts out an album during lockdown, a fully produced Mm. studio album because Mm. we can. Just to prove to people, I was like, yeah, we we can do that. Mm. That, That's something that's in our tool belt. If needs be, we can produce something and it'll sound like this. Just to explore what kind of creative and um, opportunistic avenues that we can actually take. And a lot of that was inspired by this lockdown and the cultural happenings and things that occurred around it. And I think the point I'm trying to eventually get to here is saying, you know, the line between looking at something and going, oh my God, I, I just, that's a lot to do. And, oh, I'm super excited to do this one thing. The dividing line between whether or not you should do that is, do you think it's good for you? And if the answer is yeah, yeah. just do it. Just, just, yeah. just crack on with it. And it's hard, you know, it's not, it's not easy for you <coughs> to just get up, especially now in the morning and just go, do you know what? I'm just going to crack on mm. and, and just, you know, storm through it today. But I think developing some sort of like self-care routine, you know, people mm. romanticize that as being phenomenally interesting and easy and fun because you're looking after yourself dude looking after yourself sucks <laughs> sometimes yeah. it's not it's a, a lot of job. fun it's, yeah it it's is a big job because no one's more critical than yourself you know no one knows all knows all your cheat codes knows all your your foibles and all your little things going on in your mind no one knows that better than yourself so who better to come up come up with an excuse to not do something than yourself Oh, don't do this because remember, you think this about this. And remember mm-hmm. 25 years ago and remember 10 years ago when this happened, that's why you should. There's lots of barriers and there's lots of walls. You know, we talked about it the, the last time we were on the show about, you know, simply starting something is incredibly important. It's not worrying that, you know, it might be shit. Starting the process is is probably some things that, that most bands fall at. Like we we thought the, the, the often joke on the podcast that we on many shows that we talked about it is the joke that was there was going to be a ton of albums by bands all about you know plagues and viruses and what have you. And in reality, there hasn't been. We thought there'd be this explosion of certainly at an independent level, this explosion of streaming shows and 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 sets and things like that. And there hasn't been. And, and I, you know, it's it's interesting that some people have chose how how they chose to to, to to take hold of it. And like you say, you know, that self care thing is a very important thing. I think it was John Badger I was talking to where we were like, you know, sometimes just getting through the day is important. Sometimes getting up and going, okay, I'm going to make sure that you know, I, I try and just look after myself. Just simply, you know, there's a there's an interesting book out there by a Navy SEAL, and he talks about simply making your bed in the morning being a. a, a, a the way to start a day literally i've completed a task that i wanted to do and that kind of sets your stall out you know yeah. and it's hard because sometimes you can get to, there's a weight here what we're talking about is the weight of expectation of that you know that you should be you, you look at instagram and facebook and the, the various social media there's yours that you have and there's an expectation of what you should be doing and what people don't realize sometimes is that like for someone like metallica or a huge band like that there is a whole army of people doing this for them. You cannot live up to those expectations of, of, of output and, and, and continual content. It can't be done. But seemingly, we still do. You know, the only thing we can do is we can measure ourselves by quality. And that brings us quite neatly to, to what we're here to talk about. Because we've often talked with Dan about self-care and about the scene and stuff. But we very rarely talk about 
it is albums we kind of we were in between uh, birth of chaos and and and, and this album now we, we we didn't really catch up with them but now we get the chance to so the album we're talking about is stranger than, than, than fiction and we you know for those that want to listen to it it's available on all all, all the streaming platforms and i listened to it when it first came out you know i give it a fairly good spin and um, and you know, had 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 views when I first heard it, and then knowing that I was going to speak to Dan as always, I do my homework and go back and you listen to it. And I listen to it in the car. I find car travel and metal seems to work best. If it works in a car, you you you're pretty much onto a winner. Um, yes, and it's it's fabulous, Dan. Um, you know, and I'm not saying that. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, you know mine and Dan's relationship. I thought it was shit. I'd probably talk about something else for another half an hour. Oh, I just let him. I just let him talk about how shit it was. To be honest with you, I just think it was really funny. <laughs> and that's I'd be down for the content. I don't want to say I'm surprised, but there'll be people out there that will listen to this and go, "Holy fuck, that's not a professional recording. That wasn't done in it with huge amounts of kind of like money behind it. It sounds like I said to, to Dan uh, on the messages that we've had going back and forth. This sounds like people talk about the next level, and I yeah. often think it's bollocks that because it, it applies that this tiered system for me. It, this very much like felt like Reaper as a band were entering another room, a room where you were approaching things differently, a room where you were, the execution was fine pointed, and a, re, a room where where it was very clear in direction. So the album, I mean, it's eight songs. I mean, if you if you don't count Event Horizon, I suppose it's seven seven songs, like mm-hmm. 30, 37 minutes long, forty minutes long, and it's uh, it's superb, Dan. It's superb, and, and I said this on the on the the, the messages that we had. There was a really really happy that that was the case because it was you're the canary in the coal mine for me so you're the if 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 you can't do it my argument for independent metal falls apart because i'm like you've got enough technology because we talked we talked about like let's talk about the album cover which is a right. usual first place to start yes and that's barnaby uh, from 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 crossfade and that's oh. what we talked about this. We talked about there are plenty of artists out there and companies out there that need your help and want you to work with you to get. So you produced an album cover that if it was the, if it was the next Dream Theater album or the next Evan Townsend album, and that was the cover, no one would say shit. They would be like, that's, <laughs> that's fine. That, I, that, that's fine. And, you know, it, and that starts the process. Everything is very clear to me that it was approached like with a really high bar it was like it has to be it can't just be throwaway it has to be really well put together and and like you say you're the canary in the coal in the coal mine that if you can't do it dan we are all fucked <laughs> you know there's a, if independent metal doesn't exist if you don't if you don't prove that it, you know because obviously the, the biggest thing is people say oh you can record an album in your bedroom okay that's the often said thing now you can record mm-hmm. it on your fucking phone you know, Tom Morello's just released an album, which allegedly a lot of the guitar tones and stuff were recorded on, a, on an actual phone. We live in a time when this is possible. The question is, should we? Because, it, yes, you can record something on a phone, but will it be shit? We yeah. can record something in your bedroom. Will it be shit? You've got all these plugins and various things that you can use. Will it still be shit? And it's nice and refreshing that, you know, that this album, you know, Strangers of Fiction, proves that, you know, it, it, it can be done. It yeah, can be sure. I say, um, I, when it comes to any sort of, I'll, I'll kind of tackle that like subject by subject, uh, but with the, with the art, the art kind of came last um, mm. when it came to a lot of these things because initially this was incepted as an EP. This was not meant to be an album right. at, at first glance. We released Sigil 
and Sid Yule did quite well for like a, for our standards at the time. We we you know we didn't have yeah. you know we we didn't have a huge following and we still don't. But it's, it's still it's building now in a way that was really fucking cool. Thank you everyone who supported it. Um, and then we were like, okay, well let's write a couple of songs. I've written Sid Yule. You guys write a couple of bits. And then we're like, yeah, cool. And then we can collaborate and do a song. And then lockdown happened. Um, or well, no, lockdown was happening. And then it continued to happen through May. And we were like, oh, we're not going to be able to get out of this in just a few weeks. Like everyone thought at the beginning as well. This is going to take yeah. a while. So we were like, well, what are we going to do? And it was like, well, I guess we'll keep writing. And then um, at one point, we realized that I had another song, our drummer, Ant, had a bunch of other songs that he wanted me to basically transform and turn into a couple of other pieces. Yeah. Um, me and Anthony, when lockdown had lifted, me and Anthony Dalton, or Anthony Capitano, his last name has changed since, uh, who's the guitarist? <coughs> for, for the sake of reference, we have two uh, Anthony's in our band, Anthony the guitarist and Scouse Dave the drummer. So I will be referring to <laughs> Anthony as Scouse Dave, the drummer Anthony as Scouse Dave. Sure. Anthony and I, despite being founding members of the band, had never sat down to write a song before, like together, right. just me and him. Never happened. So we were like, well, we need to break that curse. So let's make sure that happens on this disc. And then Elliot, our bass player, brought in a few ideas. And then we realized, oh, we've got like seven pieces of music here and two of them are seven minutes long. This is an album now. And as soon right. as we realized that we could go, oh my God, we could actually, like, once I timelined it, I was like, we can make this before lockdown even finishes, like before this whole COVID deal is done with, we can get this yeah. done this year. Let's just do it. And then what then happened was an intense kind of like an arrangement period. And as soon as we started building all of that together, um, I recorded everything through what I'm actually using my mic through now, which is a Focusrite yeah. solo. I recorded all my guitar parts through that, all of Elliot's bass parts through that, all of uh, Anthony's guitar parts through that, everything except for the vocals and the drums. The drums were done in the Motor Museum by Loic Gayet, and the vocals were done with David, who engineered the, the rest of the disc. And um, I did that with him in our practice space. When that kind of collectively came together, after like a huge push to get this finished in time for the release date, like a huge push, um, we realized that like the album started taking form in a really strange way. And the reason why the album's called Stranger Than Fiction is because like there are so many there's a lot in that name in the fact that times now are so unbelievably uncertain it is the mm. craziest time to live in the past i'd say in the past like 50 years this is one of the weirdest periods of time existing you know we've got a dude who got swanton bond on wwe as a former president uh, <laughs> uh, we won't get into that but yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we um, we had that happen, um, and then obviously you know the whole um, the whole George Floyd thing happened as well, which is in the inspiration for the song Jericho, um, and just so many weird things happening through that time. Like my house right now is being renovated; it's destroyed, but because of lockdown, we've had this as like an outlet to just create and and move on things, and that's what me and my folks have been doing. And just so many other weird, bizarre stuff. So I'll wrap up quickly because I don't want to make this one-sided. But effectively, that eight-track that eight track disc is effectively the idea of being injected into a world of chaos, being thrown into this sporadic 
crazy, fierce, terrifying world and having mm. this very heavy kind of, um, what's the word, sensory overload happening at once. And that's kind of what Event Horizon symbolizes is slowly being thrown into that. And then Sigil is just, you're landing and this world's just awry. Um, I think, yeah, I think, I think for me, every sort of piece of artistic endeavor, certainly an album or an EP or whatever, or a piece of music should be a snapshot of that time, but it should contain elements the 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 filter through time the the kind of almost timeless you know and it's it's interesting that you bring up Jericho and it's obviously you know I want to talk about the lyric standpoint and I want to talk about the the lyrical delivery as well uh, but something like Jericho it, you know yes that's 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 kind of obviously you know the George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movements that's very obviously one of the parts of that but it, it approaches kind of um, the dissection of society and, and civil uh, d- disobedience and things like that and the kind of separation and it do, and they're timeless issues you know um, and i think that for me it's like when i listen to like i don't know say altars of madness or peace cells or whatever it may be some of those albums are a snapshot of those particular times but they're dealing with topics that are huge you know topics which may never be resolved for, by, mm. by humankind they're so big that they become world-like, you know, when, when, when Metallica did the Black Album, one of their sort of writing process, thought processes, was to write about more world views. But yeah. then, you know, you take something like Off, off Justice, you take like one, which is about war and the futility of it and that type of thing. And that's, t- that's a timeless subject, you know. And, and, and I think one of the things that comes across when you listen to the album as well, which I really enjoyed, is the vocal delivery is very clear when it needs to be. Obviously, there's times when it needs to be a brass, abrasive and rack, but it's it's very clear. And and that and I know that for yourself, particularly for being a Devon fan, was that the delivery had to be very clear and concise. Uh, that 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 was one of the things that I think raises it above maybe some other pieces of work. Is that uh, you can listen and understand what you are saying. Um, but it still has a, a sharp delivery. I mean, it's obvious where all your influences are. You know, the, the, this album, if anything, puts them all on on, on on the sleeve. But I think you know, Devin seems to be top of the of the mountain there uh, in terms of kind of approach and, and vocal delivery. And you had time to <clears throat> you had you had the chance to sit down with the man himself. You know, that must have been interesting. Was it? Did you sit down with him after the album was recorded or during? Uh, just towards the end, actually, it was in the right. last day of mixing, so it was just as it was about to be complete, which was right. very poetic, I guess. And when I spoke to him, it was it was a really interesting experience. I thought I was going to be a bag of nerds, and I was like, yeah. I'm I'm going to meet like you know one of my my heroes, man. That like, this is a big deal. And then mm. as soon as he came on screen, I was like, oh my god, he like I'm about to talk to the guy. And he goes. Hey, buddy, excuse me for a minute there. Uh, my camera isn't working, and OBS is being a dick. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah, I forgot he's a massive nerd. <laughs> and I was like, this is fine. I'm not worried. This it's is fine. easy. And then he came yeah. on, and it was just like speaking to a pal. Like, it was super chill. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, he, it's, a, it's just a dude. And I, I forgot. And I usually profess. I was like, oh, goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> I usually profess. <laughs> That it's like, you know, these people, are, you need to remember that deifying people is really unhealthy no matter who they are. And money does yeah. not just suddenly resolve all issues. 
and that's yeah. clearly the case with plenty of other people. Mm-hmm. But like, I lost that for a second. I was like, oh my god, it's it's Dev. Like, it's I'm meeting the guy. Yeah. And as soon as it was just like, yeah, uh, the guys from Nail the Mix were over and they messed me. They had to like, um, they had to clean up like my my camera setting and things. Um, so I'm gonna have to restart the computer. Sorry, dude. And I was like, oh yeah. This guy wakes up, eats, and takes shits just like everybody else. Who cares? And it was just like a realistic experience. Yeah. That's the thing that, you know, we're, we're, in, we're in a world now where, where Eddie Van Halen does, is no longer here. Dude. And everything that you, that you hear about Eddie is, I mean, we, obviously there's, there's mountains of, people, of things talked about his playing because he rightly so, he changed the game. But what was interesting is how many stories that came about that he was just a bloke. It was just a bloke. You know, he, 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 like, you know, he would sit and watch Tool, and he would like, you know, and he would talk to people. Uh, you know, he was just, he was just a bloke. He was just a normal person with extraordinary powers, if you will. And I think, like you say, deifying people is um, is a really dangerous thing to do because it kind of almost plays into that old adage of not meeting your heroes. The reason you people say don't meet your heroes is because that their expectations are, are, are enormous. That this person doesn't shit. This person doesn't fart. This person doesn't eat. He doesn't. They don't say the wrong thing. They don't. They don't ever look stupid. But in reality, they do because they're they're just normal human beings. And and from that, you take you can take power from that. You know, taking the power from like hearing a story about how Eddie did his solo section, what uh, uh, at a show, and and it was shit by his standards. It was shit. And at the at the end, he was like said over like, oh sorry about that. It was it was a bit shit. And you think to yourself. That that's what yeah. I draw power from, not the fact that he was he was hugely insanely popular, but he was just he was he was just a bloke, you know. And Dev, uh, you know, to, I, I cited it before when we talked about him about a bloodstock, how we had all these technical issues and had to do like you know ten minutes of stand up, and and I realised then that you know that he's just he's just a bloke, and these people are just people with extraordinary jobs. And once you realise that, it kind of changes the game for yourself because you're like, okay, well, hold on. He's really famous, or the person I like is really famous and really uh, publicly known. But at some point, he wasn't. You know, at some point, yeah. he, he, he wasn't. You know, I mean, you, you talk with, we can just uh, disappear down the dev wormhole for a second or the rabbit hole. When he first started, he started, he was wise. You know, you know, like people wanted to fucking hang by when he took, when he took dev on because they were like, who's this fucking guy? You know, what's yeah. he, what's he singing? He's not even singing. You know, rock and roll. He's just, he's just it's like shit screaming. It's insane. And you know, then sex and religion came out and stuff. And and people are still like, you know, what the fuck is Vi doing? What what yeah, the yeah. fuck is he doing? And it took a long time for him to kind of, you know, the Devon Townsend project and stuff like that, and Ocean Machine, and to go to where he became. You know, so he's he's maybe been on the outside, if you will, for a long, long time. Progressive metal has took a long time to be kind of properly accepted and explored you know you have to go back to you know genesis and and then you know if you want to put a heavier stamp on a queen's reich before you see kind of progressive stuff so to you know these people are pioneers but they're also people yep, yeah they're also sure. people and that and we can all we can all take something powerful from that not that i'm going to say that you're, you we could do these things that these people do but we can certainly take solace in the fact that at some point they were just average mortals before they became the deities <laughs> that we know them for dude if you want if you want like a really humanizing experience go and listen to devon's podcast on spotify there's like yes, 11 yeah, episodes yeah. of them yeah wait till you hear the physicist one like 
wow man there's some stuff in there that i was listening to i was like that's oh wow that's that's fucking grim like yeah. you know it, if you want to properly humanize an experience listen to that but then equally you listen to that and you think that's like how low he could go like that was a really nasty point in his life from what he was talking about and then like what look at him now like he's one of the absolute like he was one of the faces of progressive metal and uh, mm. a little while ago you know not not even 20 years ago like not even yet yeah, not even 20 years ago this guy was just some weird nerdy dude who just fucking played around with puppets and made albums through his fucking laptop and now he's with you know inside out who signed fucking kansas you know what i mean it's it's bizarre i mean not now he was he was back then as well but like dude he, he's done well for himself and um mm. i think when you were saying a lot of the experience in the album that like i showed a lot of the inspiration from there for sure yeah in certain aspects but not i wouldn't in the music probably because i i can't get away from the fact that i listen to the guy at least twice a day at some stages yeah. right I, I listen to the guy readily but um on top of that as well um, the main thing that I get from Dev is how to piece an album together in terms of its vision as opposed to its sonic kind of qualities. That I very much yeah. develop just kind of subconsciously and piece together and I go, oh, this thing sounds like it needs to kind of go in this direction, which mm -hmm. I'll probably get to in a little bit of a late stage talking through the disc. But with, um, with Devin, it's the way he arranges a vision of an album that kind of grasps me. Like with this disc, it needed to sound like from the beginning, it was this static, throbbing, white noise sounding thing. It needed to sound like condensed anger. And that's what Event Horizon again does. And then it slowly, slowly, slowly becomes more kind of accessible, which is weird. Right. And it seems to have worked as well because Walk, because uh, Afterlife um, is the most popular song on the disc by far everyone likes that song even if they're not big metal fans they've listened to it. i've had family members listen to the album and they've gone this sure, is, you, it's, it, it's melodic lines uh, very yeah. very strong very strong you can you know when we talk about hooks we often people often you know look down on hooks and it's like oh that's right and pop. no the, the hooks are like you know the Paganese 24th caprice and the fucking you know hooks it can be longer melodic lines it's not just necessarily riffs it's like whole mm -hmm. fields and vibes and themes if you will i think afterlife does that very well um i think that's kind of the jam that we were going for yeah for sure yeah like when, when it came through the rest of the disc like um so like people listen to like sigil and titan they were like dude these are like way too much for us but afterlife fuck because the thing is i kind of had like a the way i kind of go through tunes is i kind of color code them so like right. like when there's a fat feel to them and stuff like yeah yeah let me just, uh, hold on let me just no fix worries, this no go on. so okay, keep, keep talking i'm good i'm good cool 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 uh so with like event horizon event horizon is kind of like a very black color because it's supposed to just be this void and then with sigil it's kind of like this off bone white with a little bit of like an acidic yellow to it and that's because it's like it's like that flash but like the flash from an atomic bomb that's kind of what right. sigil goes for titan is like this super deep crimson gritty red and then like that kind of represents like the first half of the disc is these really nasty abrasive colors like upon the sun which is about sex addiction very much comes across to me as kind of like a really kind of um what's what's the word it's like a, it's like a very kind of 
strong orange, like a really like unsettling orange, like a warning sign. Um, but then you get to like, you know, stuff like Flight and Jericho and Afterlife and Walk the Sky, which kind of give me very purple and blue and, you know, cyan vibes. And whenever I feel those, I'm like, oh, that's the perfect juxtaposition because Flight sits dead in the middle with all the reds and the oranges and the yellows. And then on the right-hand side, you've got the blues, the purples, and a little bit of gray from Jericho. And when you kind of amalgamate that all together, Flight sits in the middle as this purple kind of vibe. So I kind of color-coded each of the songs and gone, how does this work? And how can we transition from a place of ridiculous chaos to this point of this protagonist, if you will, starting to learn that life's just fucking insane. You know, life is bizarre and crazy and there's twists. It's like that, that Bill Hicks quote when he said, you know, life's like a ride and, you know, uh, there's twists and turns and it goes up and down and it's very scary and it's very loud. And, you know, at some point there are people who want to, you know, people say, you know, is this just a ride? And you have to turn to them and go, hey, don't worry about it. Everything's cool because it's just a ride and yeah. we kill those people. <laughs> and we kill those people, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's but interesting yeah, you talk about colours uh, in the formation of kind of, you know, theme, themes and, and thematicism and, and kind of ebb and flow because one of the things that happens when you first start writing, certainly when I was writing music, is you think that um, ebb and flow is loud and quiet. You know, the, the very sort of first building blocks of an album when you start doing it, so you think, what will flow from one song to the next? You know, very famously, that you know, original albums back in the 70s and early 80s would start with an intro of some kind and then would deliver the first single. And then it would be kind of the second single. And then track four and five would be around, like, you know, ballads and stuff like that. And that was kind of the level that most commercial releases had, you know. And then, you know, as as kind of, you know, the likes of Zappa and people like that kind of looked at how what an album's formation would be like, then it kind of went a lot deeper. Like in the colours that you're talking about, like Sonic Youth did a similar thing with colours when they would put together an album. They would look at sounds and stuff. And I remember being a young, impressionable guitar player and seeing um, the guitar tab. Well, I say guitar tab, it wasn't for Alien and Water Kiss um, uh, by Steve Vai. And instead, it had like this, instead of a tab, all the other songs had tab where you would put your fingers conceivably. But in it, or, or Alien Water Kiss, it was, um, it was all these like weird illustrations and curls and circles and stuff and, 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 and dark colours and light colours and, 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 and that sort of thing. And I remember thinking that, the, you know, that that's, that approach was fascinating to me because it offered up an, an, an enormous amount of interpretation about what could be, what the music could be. I think for me, um, what, my personal favourite song of the album is, is The Titan. And mainly because, it, 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 for, for me, it feels like the uh, it, it, you're getting to the top of the mountain. I'd heard Sigil before. We'd, we'd heard that before. It was released as a single. Um, and we'd heard it before. So we had a pretty good idea of where this album was going to go maybe, or at least the starting points of a frame of reference. But I think the, the Titan, particularly his positioning within the album, is, is the top of that particular thing. It's war, it's Mars, it's, it's that type of, that type of colour. And then from there, then you get, you know, Upon the Sun, which yes, you know, th there are elements of, of Pantera and Metallica and stuff, and we'll get into that. But then, for me, Flight is the most progressive on the album. Um, mm. And that obviously this is a subjective opinion, yeah. but for me, uh, 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 well, describing the albums for the people, when you go away and listen to this, ladies and gentlemen, 
And I would say it sits right at the intersection between thrash metal and progressive metal, right at the intersection. Um, and, and that's a good thing because we need those albums that kind of kind of do sit in between because I find that's where the most in interesting stuff is created. And, um, you know, the, the, album, the album that's not totally this way or totally that way, I think provides an entry point. And I think that I've been suggesting this album to people as an entry point to progressive metal that maybe are... Because let's face it, progressive metal is a spiny, spiky beast that's that's difficult to kind of unlock, you know, to the uninitiated. You know, seven minute songs are we've been ingrained to not listen to seven minute songs. Even now, even now on, on modern music, mm -hmm. we back back in the wet in the radio days, a song was three minutes and it was a three minute pop song and we had and that's what the radio had. Now radio isn't maybe as big as it is, and now streaming services are, but now we've got that interesting thing where we've been taught to listen to music for a couple of seconds and then skip it if it doesn't immediately fire our synapses, doesn't immediately engage us. So we almost have to train ourselves, particularly from a progressive metal point of view, to kind of let that song wash over us. And that's why I think it's interesting you talk about colours, because instead of saying that riff is good or this is it or this opening is good or whatever, you have to put yourself in a position where you have to put on the cloak of this song and walk around with it for a bit before you really, you know, understand it, I feel. And, and, and that's one of the things that progressive metal often doesn't get allowed, that that intelligence is a positive thing, because if we create these, uh, create these kind of worlds within these songs and these th themes and songs, we allow ourselves way more room than we could do with the three-minute pop song. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think a big part of, um, I think a big part of that move to progressive music is the fact that we just started realizing, especially with Birth of Chaos, which I, I'll probably talk about very briefly at the end, um, because the kind of transition from BOC to Strange and Fiction is very interesting. Um, as I say, this was never intended to be an album. It was originally intended to be an EP. And um, we have another album, a 75-minute long album, yeah. just in hoc ready to make but obviously until we can get gigs going we're not comfortable recording that project because we want to make sure that that is like the next big big jump for us yeah um but yeah with uh, there's this thing called synesthesia i don't know like how much i subscribe to it personally um it's a bit i don't know i mean it, i know people write like that and i know there are certain things but i don't know how much i go with that i just mm. whenever i hear a song I picture kind of like a scene in a film and I go, right, what does that scene look like to me? And in, you know, in direction and in a lot of those, in a lot of these films and things, they'll color code certain films. So that's why a lot of big blockbuster hits um, will have like, you know, quite tanned, um, you know, tanned protagonists as well as like the sky will pop like a motherfucker because blue and orange on the color wheel complement each other because orange being the formation of yellow and red blue isn't there so it sticks out but because that because of that they complement each other then you look at things like the matrix where you know you'll see the blood splatters in red but it's got this big green filter on it because red is the yeah. opposition to green so they complement it's the same deal so whenever i think of that i'm like okay how does this kind of wheel of color for this disc look to me how does this all combine and as soon as i listen to it, it the chaos of the first half and the slow calmness as it progresses towards the end and then in Walk the Sky where it's instrumental with the exception of one yeah. small spoken word passage. That to me there, that ending is the ultimate collection of everything that the album stands for. It starts mm -hmm. off in this really 
kind of alien, str- alien strange vibe. And then it slowly but surely works itself out and reharmonizes itself towards the end. And then at mm. the end, it just finishes nice and simply with that little mic drop moment at the end. That's mm. how, that's why the art looks the way it looks. You know, you've got the, um, you've got the faceless boy looking at the faceless alien with a tear in the sky in the center. And there's this fractured, chaotic juxtaposition of calm versus, you know, versus, um, what's it called? Uh, what would it be? Uh, uncanniness, I suppose. Um, but the thing that's interesting to me from the artistic point of view, when I had the idea for the art to pass on to Barnaby, was that you don't know which one's dangerous and which one isn't. You don't know whether or not the faceless kid, this impressionable vessel who is there yeah. looking at this huge beast, is yeah. there and can be manipulated into something that could cause damage, or whether or not this hulking, gray, faceless beast is about to hurt the kid. You don't know, but ultimately mm. on the disc, it resolves that neither one of them are harmful. They were just mm. willing to listen and interpret each other. That's why they're faceless, because there they, they couldn't have been a morality or an impression on them. Um, and it, with it being in like a calm sky with one cloud, with just that one single tear, is to show that it's a bizarre album cover, but there's this quiet calmness in it. There is some sense of order, and that's you know that's kind of like what a lot the a lot of the ideas of the album of that kind of culminated in. Um, but equally, just before I finish up on the art, gushing about the unfucking believable work Barnaby did on that. You might notice there's a tiny little frog next to the dude next to the kid's foot. <laughs> yeah. And um I was thinking when we were looking at it, we were like, this kind of looks a little empty. Oh, I think this is going to look empty. So I spoke to Anthony, guitarist Anthony, not Scouse Dave Anthony. Um there'll be a test at the end, by the way. Um, so, <laughs> um I was speaking with Anthony and Anthony was like, Lad, we should put a frog on it somewhere. And I went, Anthony, why? And he went, because there's a uh, there's a Japanese restaurant in I think Tokyo called Frog is Stranger Than Fiction, and it's just this oh, dude okay. in a frog costume who runs around and screams at people. And when he gives them a menu, they just <laughs> tell him to choose a country, and he comes out and does this really horribly xenophobic impression of every country before serving them randomly. Wow. And we were just like, "That's <laughs> fucking hilarious!" Put a frog on it. <laughs> so now there's a frog on it. <laughs> It's, I mean, it's interesting we talk about colours and we talk about themes and, and, and energies, but we're now we're talking about that tension and release that, that albums have, that there mm-hmm. has to be, the, you know, there has to be a resolution. You know, a lot of the times when, when, when bands certainly do full concept albums and stuff, there has to be, it's a story, you know, it, it ultimately it's a story, a beginning, middle and end, told, you know, whatever format you want, but it has to be some, some resolution to that. Is the 75 minutes, is that a, that, is that concept too? Um, oh, that's, that's something I can get into with SDF, but for the third disc, kind of, it's right. very strange. The, the, the album, which I'm not going to name or give anything because I want to keep it nice and down low because I'm a, sure, I'm a, big, sure. romantic, I'm a big romantic club like that. So <laughs> um, the kind of idea with that disc is all of that material, every single piece of music from the third disc was written before the second, some of it long before the second, to right. the point where there are two tracks that are on the third disc that nearly ended up on Birth of Chaos because they were written right next to each other. 
The last song that was written on BOC was Entropy, which is the fifth track on the album. Um, and that kind of marked like the more the move to the more kind of progressive side as me and our drummer from a little while ago, Peter Cattle, was starting to get into. And um, as that started to progress, after Entropy was finished, we finished writing that song, I think, in about 2016 or maybe a little earlier. No, it was definitely, it was definitely earlier. Um, because we wrote Warthorn in like 2011 and finished up the other. Basically, we wrote it around about 2013, 2014 time, right? So we wrote this song in God We Trust shortly after that, around about late 2014 to early 2015. There are four songs on that disc that by the time this third album is released will be approaching a decade old, like a long way off. That's not, that's not, that's not, that's not unusual. You know, those, those energies and those thought processes and starting points that those, it, like, a, so you think that, you know, th those can be transposed to something else and moved to another section and released as a, as a body of work. You know, you, you talk about like, you know, ideas and stuff that, you know, when, you know, I'm sure Dev's got a, an absolute backlog of, of work that's just he's waiting to kind of position and, and when's the right time and what works and what kind of, you know, I was reading an article about Stephen King and, and he says like, you know, he has like a corridor of doom where he has all these ideas for various things <laughs> that, that whenever he's like, you know, I'm John, what am I going to write about next? Okay. And he just pulls this idea, this may be a short story ad or a novella and then goes and works on it and kind of brings it to, to what it is, you know, because the, 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 the energy contained within those ideas is eternal. You know, you just got to kind of pull them out. We've all, all guitarists have got the, that bag of riffs that be like, couldn't quite work out what I was doing with this. It's in, it's in three, four, or it's whatever, or, you know, or whatever, maybe it doesn't quite fit. And then suddenly you play some notes with it and it unlocks it, you know, and, that, and so yeah, yeah. you know, just, the, 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 the point from that is that you should always be continually writing, not necessarily worry about where, those sections may come together because like you said for yourself it's like 10 years before those things are actually locked into something that would work you know what i'm interested in what what, what is most exciting thing for me is that i'd like to hear i'd want to hear them but i'd want to hear what reaper did if they did uh, a long suite so what does that i mean i mean something that's like 20 30 minutes long that is a consistent sort of theme through the whole thing Oh, you trust know? me, buddy, you got that. <laughs> <laughs> that's why the album's 75 minutes. Um, you know, that, that, that's what interests me. We've now got to the stage, like we talked about, where you know, listenership intelligence is increasing and people are more willing to listen to seven, eight-minute whatever songs. And, you know, and now we, we can play with that idea, then let's, let's go further. You know, let's go deeper and further with an idea and let's take a whole... Because people are more intelligent, like the people can, can can take this on, you know. And we have to think about sort of the things in pop culture that helped us get here. Things like, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, is, you know, is that maybe one of the births of progressive metal? Is that where it kind of starts, where we kind of get interesting ideas? You know, the likes of uh, Genesis and The Lamb Lies on, Dead on Broadway, is that where we get? Is these are the kind of people that, that slowly open the door? for progressive metal to become, I mean, if you think, think about one, we talked about one before, where, when that came out, that's a, that's a long song, you know, yeah, it's yeah. as simple as that, with multi-structured parts, that doesn't go heavy, for, you know, a good several minutes, you know, the, the you know, metal fans, kind of, took to their own, almost straight away, you know, and, 
And that's one of the things that often gets leveled against metalheads, that there is a, a low intelligence, there's a low threshold for like listening to large pieces of music and kind of, uh, you know, that type of thing. And we're quite the reverse, you know, this, you know, when, when if so, an artist says, oh, I'm releasing this album and it's 30 minutes, Opus Suite or something, I'm excited by that. I'm like, yeah, that, that's yeah. great. That's what I want to hear. You know, I, I love when, when bands go and become almost indulgent in that respect. You know, I don't think that we, there used to be, I'll tell you where I'm going with this. There used to be, during like the 60s and like, you know, early 70s, a pop record could also be progressive. So look at something like, um, the Purple Haze by Jimi Hendrix. I like it, he'd tell him. Um, think about some of the things that were going on with that, the introductions. Think about what he was doing with the solo and stuff. Think about that. There was some wild stuff going on there within the confines of a of a pop song. And I think all we've done now is, is show that, you know, the intelligence of the listener hasn't decreased, hasn't at all. It's increased, completely increased. And I think that that, is probably, you know, thanks to the likes of artists like yourself and stuff like that and Dev and, and people like that, risking that and still providing that music can be dangerous and can be experimental without being standoffish, you know, without yeah. being... You know what I have done? All I've said is basically, you're the cool science teacher. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said. I'll if fucking that, take if, that, if Dev man. is the mad scientist, you're the, you're the high school equivalent it's like you know doing these crazy experiments that the kids like yeah 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 he's a teacher but he's cool he's got long hair that he's, he's got his long hair teacher's cool yeah, yeah I, remember um... having, I remember having a science teacher that wore a scorpions metal t-shirt one oh, day and and and, and him immediately gaining cool points and yeah, then yeah. whatever he was saying like, oh yeah yeah he's a teacher but no no he's into his metal he loves the scorpions he loves, it's okay we're okay yeah, but i think yeah, yeah. that you know it's important to constantly challenge what can be expected from a populist point of view and from what an expectation point of view is as, a, as an artist. And that can be continually challenged. And I love that metal is one of the leading purveyors of such. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think that's interesting that like we kind of went down that, um, the kind of intelligence of the listener rabbit hole. Um, cause to pull back to why, um, I think why I think progressive metal is doing so well now is down to the fact that, you know, I'll always use Mac Jones as an example for his, um, for his willingness to continually back the physical product because he is a massive advocate for that. And he's dead right because we are in a weirdly fortunate position in a very non-lucrative musical market because progressive metal fans are all nerds. We're all nerds. Just to break that down, we are all massive geeks. <laughs> and because of that, that means we're all very, very nostalgic, especially the lot of us that grew up in the 90s who saw this massive technological spike by the time we were seven and eight years of age. And we had to adjust to that almost immediately as kids. It's ingrained in our like gray matter, right? Yeah. Part of our DNA is represented by the fact that we had this enormous surge in technology. You know, when I was five and six years of age, you know, there were still kids playing around with footballs in the streets. I was still doing that up until nine or 10. And then as soon as I go to high school, everyone just goes to their phones and most people are spending their time on MSN. You know what I mean? And that was like, one yeah. of the, that was one of the first <coughs> of like interactive chat online and things. Um, I think I was after AOL or whatever. But the fact of the matter is, is that we've got this very, very big nostalgia, this, this nostalgic uh, nature to feed. 
and a lot of that manifests in purchasing physical product. Things like CDs for us are nostalgic. It's, you know, our CD collection is a dude 15 years older than us. It's their vinyl collection. But then after that, because we get into the more kind of experimental and alternative metal music, we then go, okay, well, I want to dive digger into the nostalgic rabbit hole, especially for people who listen to mostly 80s metal. And then you'll find that vinyl sales are kind of a big deal for us and so on and so forth, which I think was a big part of the vinyl sale. But I don't have research to back that. That's just an opinion probably like a, that's just a, an educated guess i suppose um and that's why when it comes to things like the physical product for us it's so important for us to nail the vision because people will listen to an album as an album in our audience by design because that's the kind of music that they're going in there for that's the kind mm. of vibe that that band attracts and as a result you throw on a cd to your crowd they'll want the cd or the vinyl which i think is why progressive metal is doing so well you look at bands like caligula's horse from australia massive ups to them by the way they are fucking extraordinary you want a good entry point to listening to progressive metal go and listen to their album balloon it is fantastic um, you got bands like them you got hacking i mean hacking are like blowing up and already yeah. have been for quite some time now and then devon's a prime example you know, Devin reached number one in the charts for his album, Impact. There's a 23-minute song called Singularity on it, and part of it is just some dude hitting part of a cymbal stand with little wub-wubs in the background. That happens for three and a half minutes, and that album got number one in fucking Canada. By no rights would that happen anywhere else. Nowhere, right? So I think the two most prominent genres in music now and most lucrative are Alt-rock and metal. So you look at bands like Alter Bridge and Blackstone Cherry and all those guys who are like top in charts because they play download and things like that. And that's just down to the fact that old blues heads need something new to listen to. And that's the stuff to listen to. And then you go into the next part, which I think is going to be progressive metal. It's this no surprise to me why all these bands are charting and most of them are from the inside out record label. Well, yeah, they, they, I, I couldn't agree more. There's some really interesting things that happened. Like with, with, there was a generation that kind of the internet exploded onto um, and they, they, they've now grown up to have disposable income. So they can remember vinyl and they can remember, you know, limited edition stuff from queuing outside record stores and things like that. One of the first sort of purveyors of limited edition stuff was those progressive bands, bands that did gateway centerfolds, that did lenticular artwork and stuff and did, you know, different colored vinyls and, and, and that's everything. And that was the domain a, a lot of the time of bands, uh, punk bands and progressive metal bands, because they were like, well, how do we get a fucking edge on the competition? How do we, you know, how do we distance ourselves or at least separate ourselves from the the average record thing i remember when i'm old enough to remember like you know the wall and being like what how many how many albums is it how many discs is it and it folds out and what's the cover and those were kind of the the sort of the first sort of uh salvos fired on 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 regular music and like i remember you know Frank Zappa's Hot Rats albums, like, well, you know, broke uh, all kinds of different things. That was the first time proper gatefold sense. Well, a uh, whole side of the album was taken up by the Hot Rats suite and stuff and, and, mm -hmm. and things like Willie the Pimp. And, and, and I remember being greatly attracted to them. And metal was very much leading the charge. That, and, and it kind of, what happened is that a lot of the <clears throat> normal artists, if you will, or more popular artists uh, in popular music then started, exploring that as well you know you have to go back to like kind of 
Sergeant Peppers and stuff and concept albums and the first part of it was was up from an audio perspective we're going to do albums that are based on one theme songs that run into other suites of songs with dating and then they moved outside the artwork because if the music wasn't enough they had to go okay look at the cover of this look what we're doing with this look how this album folds out look how this album is a complete sort of package of stuff and things like you know I remember Def Leppard re releasing Hysteria and each one of the singles was a part of the main cover. So when you got all the singles, you could piece it together and make the, the, the cover of the album. And it was things like that that were kind of where they were going, okay, what's the poke in the edge of it? And I remember the first time vinyls with different colours, vinyls came out as well. It was a huge thing. And progressive and metal has always been at the front of that, you know, always been at the front. And then you look as we move to more modern stuff, things like Tool um, and, and that type of thing, producing artwork and albums that you know, almost aren't completed. They don't have complicated structures to how the album's physically put together. And, sure. and, and now people have realised that the niche rules then so much as the people are now looking for that unique item or looking for that thing that separates itself, that becomes collectible. And we've almost kind of perfected collectibleness. Like now, when um, I, I think about when Metallica reached S&M 2, they had me, I got the special folded out CD thing with the t-shirt. The bundle now is almost the norm that you get a t-shirt that, that goes with the album. That does All that type of thing was born from metal and born from kind of these sort of limited edition stuff. And, it's, and even now I would argue popular music is still struggling to keep up with like, you know, deluxe versions of stuff. And they're way behind where, you know, where we're going. You know, certainly like what, like you say, what Dev's doing we're kind of like you know, they kind of ran away with the ball as the, as the rest of popular music is playing catch up going oh okay you can do that with an album you can do that with a cd cover you can do that with it and 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 that's exciting to me because it means that the gloves are off it means that if you're a young band now you can produce an album that has a uh, is as a tie-dye vinyl you can produce it it costs and stuff like that but now you can kind of do what you want. We, we, we've always said you can do what you want musically, but now you can do what you want thematically with the album, with the artwork, with how you do, uh, how you do the, the, the t-shirts and all the things that go with it. We, you know, I look at someone like uh, Pellini, who I'm a big fan of, uh, a huge sort of instrumental guitar player, but he's producing his own tablature books the, the, and everything, all the artwork and the idea, more importantly, is, is a running thread to all of his work. So when he releases something, it becomes this whole complete process from the tablature book to the artwork, to the artwork of the album, the CD. He's in control of that as well. The whole thing. So his means, and ultimately what we're leading to here, and what I'm saying is that the idea is total. That your yeah. idea is total. That the whole production of it is total, and that's hugely exciting for me. We're almost sort of back to the days of the seventies, when an artist could could go, okay, we're going to do Dark Side of the Moon now, and they'd be like, what the fuck is going on here? And they just let them do it. You know, yes, there's history, there's a reason why they get there, but they were like, okay, we'll let you go and do that. Uh, you know, uh, rather than having the shackles of of uh, a kind of a record label going, oh, well, we're going to put a whole load of walls up for that idea before we can do that. Now, you can do what you want. You can do what you want. And that is what an incredibly exciting point of view to have. You know, if you'd, I wonder if, if you've been on a label, a large label, if that album cover would have been deemed not really what they were after. And we're going, oh, well, yeah. can we get something else? Do you know what I mean? I wonder how many people would have got in the way of your process 
from its inception. Yeah, see that that's that's actually a point that I that I kind of thought of when I saw the disc because as soon as I saw the artwork, I was like, I'm not sure if the guys are gonna like this. And the right. more and more and more I've looked at it, the more I genuinely think that this is one yeah. of I I, th- I think it's Barnaby's best work. Personally, I think that's the best it, thing yeah. he has ever made. Um, mm. just based on the fact alone that it's like the way he captured everything and just it's the kind of it's this weird quilted kind of stained paper effect where certain parts of it are a little darker so it looks like a piece of like it looks like a canvas and that to me when i saw that i was like that's such an interesting thing to have designed and i'm not sure whether or not that was by intention or you know by accident or whatever but i think it fucking nailed the creation of that disc and um funnily enough when you were saying about this kind of through idea and this complete kind of work uh, ethos that your man had um the third disc, coming back to that very briefly, um, it's kind of, the idea of it is every single song on that disc is in a different key. So every single one of them, one will be in E, one will be in F, one will be in F sharp, so on, all the way until we've explored each single key. Major and minors would be, this, besides the fact, you know, at that point when you want to go modal, you'd have to release a fucking quintuple album and we're not about to do that. But like <laughs> each one set into a different like tonal center. And the point was, we were like, okay, well, let's see what we do, like, as a group when we have these different tonal centers. And bizarrely enough, that manifested in a way, in a very meta kind of way, I guess I'm supposed, I'm trying to say, um, the first major lineup that we had before, like, the one after the original one that we had was myself, Anthony, Matthew Pruden, and Peter Cattle. There were songs on that disc that were written when that lineup still persisted. And that was like the first major lineup before, like mm. that. That was when we'd started writing fucking World at Redemption, the fourth song we'd ever written, right? Mm. So this is how old some of these tracks are, and a lot of the first side is taken up by songs that were either incepted or fully written by that point, and almost the whole of the second side is stuff that we had written um, that hadn't been released under any lineup up until right. the newest one all written with this current lineup so it's almost like this blending transition from um you know from boc all the way up to now which is interesting now that stranger than fiction is sat in between that as almost like a pivoting point because it's basically saying this is what we are here to do and then the next disc is us putting every creative identity we have and have had up until this point to bed to say this is that chapter now it's almost i'd say that the next disc will basically be the concluding moments of our adolescent years it's everything that we wrote from when we were like 15 to 16 all the way up to when we are now 24 you know everything up until that point so it's it's collecting all of these ideas and going here is everything we've needed to say for all this time and to finally have it sat and rest and then the next thing after that will be, this is us now. This is where we go. And Stranger Than Fiction is kind of like a wink to that, I suppose. I uh, think probably one of the most sort of... It's certainly an interesting thing to talk about is that it, it feels as though this, this piece of work, and certainly this album, won't be completely complete, if I, could, if I can say that, until we see it played in its entirety, uh, live. Yeah, 
Yep. That feels like and that feels like a, the only way we can, like you say, this is there's many lines in the sand, and the next album will be obviously a very, very large line in the sand. But it feels as though the only way this 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 piece of work, it's like if you heard that the wall never got made into into a, a, as a live show, you'd be like, oh no, or you know, you, you you think like you know, there's all these kind of albums, and you're like, well, surely the the final dust off to it is to is to play it live. So where thing. are we with yep. that then? How how are you going to approach that? Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll let in a little bit of it, but I've, we've, we've got plans okay. that I'm not going to dissect just yet and, until it's formed. Because again, with all this going on, we want to make sure that games yeah. are at the forefront of our mind when this gets released. Um, yeah. We mainly just, again, release Strange and Fiction to prove that we could do something on this mm. time schedule with this, these restrictions. The next disc, what we will say is, it's funny you say that it needs to be played live because we're recording it everything live off the floor with the exception of vocals and solos right so we are rehearsing the whole thing to click everything until it is airtight all 12 songs yeah. all 75 minutes of it and then all four of us are going to go to the motor museum with Lowick gayard and we're going to record the rhythms the bass and the drums live off mm. the floor no break i i'm, I'm kind of like yeah i, I i'd like to see straight my, my excitement would have been it was pre-pandemic i would have been like right now i want to see this album the, the strange of i want to see it in full and i want mm -hmm. to see it with 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 artistic design in there i want to see it with with a production value to it you know um with everything from lighting to you know to 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 uh, the whole sort of visualizations um, and i think that that's probably something that's going to be quite exciting when it when it does happen because it will happen you know we will get to the to the end of this and we've and that's what i keep saying to people i'm thinking you know what a what an interesting i mean listen i've i've done i've gushed enough i've compared like dark side of the moon the war we've used all these albums when i've been talking <laughs> about but i think how what a great way to create value to someone going to a live experience this is where i'm going with this is that you know if i can now we can now say on you know next year at some point that this will be will be put up as a, as a live production what a what a fascinating way to draw someone in and go okay well it's not just a band playing reaper are just playing uh you know a, a 35 minute set somewhere this is the whole you know, remember like i talked about i've got a podcast a couple of podcasts ago about forlorn hope doing their whole album uh, in full. And I found it a fabulously engaging process and a fabulously sort of, it, it, it elevated the gig more than them just playing a whole bunch of songs. It, it gave it, it gave that gig some permeance and some, uh, an aspect of collectability, if you will, a uniqueness that I'm a huge fan of. You know, I'm being the huge Zappa fan that I am, Zappa always talked about making each individual show unique and a unique experience to, to the listener and to the, to, to the audience and, and the band alike. And I think that that's something that, you know, have you thought about doing this, uh, certainly this album as a live stream, as, as a complete project? Uh, again, the uh, when we were talking about that last project, I thought we were still talking about album three. So apologies, I'm going to play catch up. I, I suppose the themes are still true. You know, the themes are still true. I'm more kind of with this particular album. It lends itself 37 minutes long, give or take. Uh, it lends itself to the, to you know to definitely to a streaming perspective. You know, to produce an album with maybe visualizations. You know, where it, it's certainly possible, and I think it lends itself to it to it very much. You know. Yeah, for sure. And we do have plans for something like that. As I say, we, we can't say anything for definite until everything's set in stone in terms of when we can mm -hmm. properly play these things again and make sure that when we're doing them, they're not just kind of throwaway live stream shows. We do want to make yeah. sure that they are as tight as can be. And we do have other things in the works as well. But 
as on top of that, we've got so many other creative avenues that we just want to have dealt with. Um, yeah. In the band and even in, like individually, like our our, uh, our drummer Scouse Dave, he's he's doing work with a band called Visions of Albion at the moment, and obviously I've got four fucking solo albums to work on, um, which is a whole thing that I'm going to get into at some point in the future. Uh, but like moving on to moving back to Stranger, um, that kind of process of slowly calming down, it does lend itself well to a very interesting stage show. It's just for the mm. time being. I want to make sure that something we put this much effort, this much time, this much energy into gets the representation that it deserves. And we need the facilities to do that. Um, mm. So it, it will come, but it's, it's a matter of when, not if, I suppose is what I'm trying to say. You've had time now as well to, to get like feedback. You know, you've had time now. It's been out there, what we say, October 16th? So October uh, 16th? Three weeks month. as of two days ago. So you know, you've had time to, to have a reaction. You know, mm-hmm. and I think, um, you know, from what I could see, it's been largely positive, if not totally positive. Um, you know, have you found that people have understood the concepts? Have you found that they've, you know, maybe kind of got it straight away? Has, has it been, what's the feedback, feedback been like? Honestly, when it comes to a lot of conceptual stuff, that is more of a representation of what we want to pass on to people who are wanting to, leap, to read the lyrics and get into that. And we've got a little fine group um, of people who are listening to us and have been kind of on the ride with us for when everyone thought it was an EP. And we revealed to them earlier that it was going to be a fully fledged disc. Um, mm. And when we got round to kind of, when we got round to release day, a lot of people who listened to it, there were a couple of reviewers who definitely got the idea. But I think the thing that we really achieved was most people had said something, I think a lot of people had said along the lines of, this sounds like what you always should have been. They were like everything creatively in this disc sounds like evolution, which is everything we wanted. Considering we had such, again, such tight time restraints, such limited resources to work with everything. Shout out to David who mixed this thing. I don't know how the hell he managed to pull a sound like this together with what he had. Um, yeah. And obviously Lowick as well from the Motor Museum, who's just a fucking genius. It's a, it's a fabulous place, the Motor Museum as well, and, and oh, you know, God. Al's doing some fabulous work there. You know, it's 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 such a it's got a great live room and a great drum room and stuff. Um, it's it's a superb. But I should really, I, I I've been desperately running after Al to get him on the show. I should definitely get there because I've loved everything that's come out of there. I've had some fantastic recordings, and yeah. it's nice that you feel as uh, you know that you've completed the journey that you wanted to get with that. You know, that's that's a nice thing that you can look back and go, you know what door closed onto the next thing now that this, that this works and it's nice that people have, uh, have kind of accepted it and stuff but you strike me as one of those people that very rarely looks back and goes okay that we did that what's the next thing you're already knee deep in several other projects and that's that's a, a very healthy attitude you know it's especially you know it's progressive in in many forms not just the music but the outlook as well uh to be kind of okay what's the next thing now let's not dwell on mm-hmm. this let's move forward you know and that's a that can only be a healthy mentally to, to hold on to as well, to be like, okay, that was great. And it's great today. Let's move on to the next thing and kind of and deal with that. And you must get a lot of, um, you must get a lot of solace from that, you know, job done. Absolutely. Good project. Next yeah. thing. Absolutely. Without a doubt. I think, as I say now, I think the main thing that I need to learn 
as I imposed a lot of the tightness and a lot of the stress of creating this disc on the lads as of the result of trying to get this done quickly because I knew we could. And, you know, a release is always going to be stressful. You want to make sure that you put so much time and so much thought and so much energy into it. And I think that's why I kind of wanted to rush through it and get it finished so that I could go, right, that's dealt with now. Let's get it out to people so I can finally see whether or not I've done my job right. I hate the waiting. I hate the hanging on. And I think I need to learn to be a little bit more patient with it, which is what I'm doing with all future releases now because for as fantastic as this has turned out, Listening back to it now, there are things that I was like, actually, I wish I had like maybe two more weeks and just like two or three more days with our engineer to have just gone through those things, as is the nature of whenever you look at any of your projects in hindsight. Um, but ultimately, I think for me now, the next thing that we're going to be moving on to is just, and just trying to push this disc out to more and more people and at the same time go, right, we've now got so many open creative avenues like we're working on a couple of covers and things that we're going to do in time for Christmas for fun. You know, we're looking at potentially doing a couple of, um, a couple of other things on the side. I've obviously got my solo projects as well. We've got the third disc. There are so many different roads that we can go down now that we're all just trying to collectivize and go, right, what's next? What are we moving to? We're in a great position here where we can choose our next move and show it to the people who are willing to support us whilst also pushing out this disc that we are very, very proud of. And it's kind of just directing all of that energy to people to the point where people aren't just going, okay, what the fuck's happening? I don't understand what's happening here. So yeah, it's just trying to be cohesive, I suppose. Yeah, it's, but what's what I think and why we, we, we enjoy, ladies and gentlemen, we enjoy having Dan on the show is that all of this is from a positive place. All yes. of this is uh, is massively positive, and I, and I hope that that somehow by osmosis or whatever comes across on on the show. Because you know, uh, every time I come off a, a show with Dan, I always think to myself, "Well, you know what? That thing I might I, I was working on, I'm, I'm probably going to go back to that and have a look at that now." And you get an immense amount of, of inspiration. And and I said this to Dan uh, a couple of days ago when we were, we were messaging back and forth about how. He doesn't maybe realise that there's some people watching and some people more importantly listening who um, who don't who, who are, who are taking immediate influence from what he's doing and you know it's the old thing with Kevin Smith where people go up and say oh Kevin Smith you made Clerks well you know that means I can make a movie too and it's kind of like that backhanded compliments like well if they can do it <laughs> then then I can but I know that people will be listening to this and going the quality of that album from production artwork writing what have you they might be like, you know, there'll be two types of people. There'll be people who listen to that and go, this is amazing. Now I understand where what I can achieve and we can go and do that. Look, this is what can be done. And there'll be people who go, that sucks. I can do better. Both yeah. people are going to end up in the same place. You know what I mean? It's, sure. it's like the reason I do this whole podcast is people often go, you know, I'm sure there's people go home and go, listen to home and go oh how the hell has this guy got a podcast? How the hell does people <laughs> listen to these? How does he have all these listeners? I can do better than that. You fucking should do then. Go out yeah. and do it, you know. And, yeah. and, and I always get a, I always get a like a, a real sort of enthusiasm back into it. Like I say, you're the canary in the coal mine of of, of the my, certainly the local independent scene. It's like look at what Dan's doing. Your album can sound that good if you put a bit of work into it. And um, so it's listen. Uh, we'll close this out now. Like, but uh, ladies and gentlemen, you know, I would I would urge. Obviously, it goes out saying. I'd check out Reaper's entire back catalogue. Certainly, the Better Chaos is fantastic. But Stranger Than Fiction is it, it, it is to be ingested as a whole. It's 37 minutes long. Shut the fuck up and put it on in your car. <laughs> Shut the fuck up and put it on while you're cleaning your house or whatever the fuck you're doing or you're playing 
your video game or whatever the fuck it is you do is stay to seven minutes shut the fuck up you know what i mean get get listen to it as a whole because i think you'll find incredible value in it and and, and i think you'll enjoy it it's available on on, on every streaming service available and, sure. and, and 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 please you know i'll, I'll put links on, on the podcast, but I, I urge you to come back to me and say it isn't well recorded. Tell me it isn't because it, it just is. Tell me <laughs> that, that there isn't some amazing play. Tell me that the solo, you know, on on on, uh, uh, on the Titan, the riff on the Titan isn't fucking ace. Tell me it isn't. It isn't. It isn't echoing Dimebag. Tell me it's not that good. Like, <laughs> like to me the argument is that opening solo, well, not the opening solo, but you know, the beginning part of the solo on the Titan. It's pure fucking dime by shred. That was very, that was really funny because just before we do sign off, um, like that's like this is this this disc was the first time that I've had solos on an album. That's not and that's a that that's that's my own. I had a few um solos across this disc, and we kind of had to mediate both ways because we had to split it down the middle. As Anthony is a key worker, so we barely had time with him to make this. Yeah. So when we got him in, we had to get him straight onto the recorder and move super fast. So whenever I got him down, it was like such a productive time. But in between that, I was like, there's warrants for this to be different to like for the solo to sound like this. So I'm going to make my template solos. And a lot of those template solos, we all just kind of went, these are actually really good. Let's just keep some of those. But that's definitely Anthony's part. But that's a good guide and so on and so forth. And it's, before it's, we... it's, it's huge. It jumps off, it jumps off the record. It's, it's <laughs> such a... It's so, uh, being a guitar player, I'm always waiting for that moment when I'm like, well, you know, it, yeah, it's good, but the solos, you know, it's not pushed, it's not front. It's, I'm all in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking, being a guitar player, I was just like, oh, that's good. Thank God someone's doing that. Thank God someone's out there fucking doing that. And, and honestly, it made a bit, a huge, massive smile when I went back and listened to it. Uh, that's the song that I go back to that I'm like, it just makes me smile. You know, yeah. pro- progressive metal makes me smile. There's a t-shirt for you, you know. Um, it's I'm, a, I'm, I'm getting a, that. I'm getting that on a shirt, dude. <laughs> Hell yeah. You just gave me a match so, idea. And so, you know, ladies and gentlemen, it's it, it's it's time to say goodbye to, to Daniel and Randy. As always, superb guest. And I, I really enjoy it. We'll, oh, naturally, we'll have Daniel on again. And, uh, you know, fantastic. And the feedback that everybody always says is that, um, you know, I talk a lot, but Dan talks, talks more, but it's always very positive. It's always that, you know, wow, okay, you know, there's a guy out there getting it done. I know that if I get up late in the day, I'm thinking, fuck, Dan, Dan Moran's out there getting it, getting it. I, I, need, to be, <laughs> I need to be working on it. Well, so, listen, I... ladies and gentlemen, thanks again to Daniel Moran. Thanks for coming on the show, boss. Uh, and no doubt we will, yeah, we'll talk some more. Like, yeah, see you again, man. As we will do. And because I'm in control of the recording, I'm going to do a fat shill. We've got a sale on purchasemerchase.com. All the shit's mega cheap. Go and buy our stuff. We're on twitch.tv forward slash official UK. That's twitch.tv forward slash official UK. Playing stupid Pokemon games. 8pm GMT at twitch.tv forward slash official UK. Be there, nerds. Bye. How good was it to have Dan back on the show? Just you know, a lot of people... Uh, message me and, and and talk about Dan kind of how the, it's a bit of a kick up the arse to them to get their own shit sorted, which is which is very cool. But more than anything, um, Dan's just a really nice guy and a real sort of touchstone for me for to the to the independent scene. Uh, and just shows what you can do with with just a little bit of effort and a lot of hustle and get things done. As you can see, you know, at the end of that episode, he's he's he's, he's selling all of his, his shit as rightly you should do as well. And I strongly recommend to check out. Reaper and the album Stranger Than Fiction. I check out all this stuff that, that they've done as well. Great progressive, 
thrash metal um you know there's some great stuff going on and as a player just absolutely superb and i really can't wait to to go and see the, him play live again because i've seen a really natural evolution and that was one of the purposes of the episode was to show you that evolution show him someone saying that they were going to do something the path that they took and then eventually the the, the thing that they did i'm a big fan of roadmaps a big fan of the mapping some would say listen if you do this this can lead to 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 this and that's how you get signed, if you will, or that's how you get, you know, uh, record deals, or that's how you get to play large shows, or that's how you get to tour. It's important to break them down to the minutiae and the smaller aspects of it to build up to large things. You can't just suddenly form a band and they get signed. It doesn't work like that. You can't suddenly form a band and tour the world. It doesn't work like that. So it's nice to show that route. And I think that's why it's always nice to have Dan on, apart from it being just a funny guy. And... Um, it's nice to, to see that. And that's probably why, you know, the, the the shows with him on are some of the most viewed. And that's one of the other things I'd like to thank everybody for. These are the 100th show celebrations. And I'm just so thankful that people listen and, and enjoy this, this, this podcast because that's all it was ever there for. As always, please send in suggestions for things that you like and you don't like about the show so we can help form it and make it more interesting. I'm glad it distracts you from the nonsense that is going on in the world at the moment and some of the craziness that's going on and the terrible stuff as well that's going on. And I hope it gives you a moment of distraction, uh, maybe amuses you, maybe even pumps you up to go and do your own things and get your own things sorted. And I strongly recommend that you do that. Metal will return. It's it's we've had a couple of close sort of calls where we've kind of come close to having shows with with, with reduced crowds. It will come back. You know, metal is forever. Metal is eternal. And you know, I'm looking forward to those moments when I can because this is the lifeblood of the show. Live shows and going out and meeting meeting people is a massive part of the show. Taking that away takes away some of the, the aspects of the show that make it what I enjoy the most about. So, you know, at some point it will return, it will, it will come back, and it's getting closer. We're cycling closer to getting back to 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 being almost a, a metal show as we remember it. Uh, you know, uh, we can only hope that that happens, and, and it will. And once again, thanks again for listening, and I will we'll see each other in a show.